Okay, welcome to episode 52 of the Never Iron Anything Comics Review Podcast. I'm Tony Esmond, um, widely now known as the Larry Flint of comics. Um, this, show, <laughs> <laughs> this show is uh, designed to highlight a comic, a creator, or a series. This week, back once again is the renegade lawmaster, Mr. Eamon Clark. How you doing, dude? I'm fine, Tony. Let's remake The Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, I had to pull my car over because I came up with that back once again since he's the renegade lawmaster and it made me laugh so much I pulled the car over <laughs> to write it down. <laughs> it's a good one. Thank you. Um, sadly, we're going to have Gary Hill with us this week, but he can't make it. He's off saving the world. So He is. He's saving people's lives. Yes. Um, God bless you, Gary. Yeah, good lad. Yep. Um, now, with this uh, numerically comics important anniversary episode... Yeah, episode 52, um, I took the brave decision to be the first book that I would choose we would talk about. Yeah, um, so this is unusual. So I get to ask you, tell us about the book you've chosen and why. <laughs> I've chosen The Eltingville Club, um, comic book, science fiction, fantasy, horror and role-playing by Evan Dorkin, um, which I then forced you to read. But I'm hoping that you've enjoyed it or hoping that you at least had a good experience reading it. And um, we're going we're gonna to talk through that a bit. The um, Eltingville Club, I think we got the same version, didn't we? I mean, it's a, you got the hardback collection, that's right, isn't it? I've got a nice hardback collection which looks and feels like a Christmas annual. Um, and, you know, listeners to my podcast will know I love a Christmas annual size book. So, yeah, yeah. we've got the same edition, nice. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I like, I like it. And it's, um, it's um, 121 pages, mostly black and white with some colour in it. Um, there's some text pieces, there's an extra section that I'm sure we'll talk about later, which is kind of more up to date at one point in it. Um, yeah. At the back, um, and it's only at the moment it's only thirteen pounds and twenty five pence on Amazon, which is an absolute steal, which is the price of what three comics or something these days. Yeah, absolutely. Go and get it, uh, and if you've got your lockdown money, see if you can get your local bookshop to get it for you as well. Yeah, good chance. Um, yeah. And we should mention Sarah Dyer, shouldn't we? Yes. His wife, who does she did the colouring and uh she does some of the other stuff on it i think yeah i think she does like the design work and stuff like that as well doesn't she yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Cool. now it's a book that takes in the story from a number of different comics so eltingville is a long-running series that's sort of haphazardly published really by a different a number of different people slave labor comics and um dark horse have done this version of it but it's appeared in um a couple of books by evan dorkin called instant piano um, it has, it's had its own title. It's been in Dark Horse Pretense, uh, Presents, it's been in Dork, and it's been in the House of Fun. So it's jumped around a bit. Um, did you want to give us a little summary, Eamon, of what you think it's or what, what you, it's about for you? Okay, so it's the the Eltingville Club is for teenagers. They start as teenagers in the start of the book, don't they? Yeah. Uh, although they do grow up as the book progresses. They are four male American teenagers who have got their own literal Eltingville Club and between the four of them i think one's a comic guy one's a science fiction nerd one's a horror fan and one's a role-playing gaming fan yes that's right. and it's evan dawkins um so in one in his other one of his other comics he describes himself as having a love-hate relationship with pop culture yes so it's um it's i suppose an observation on fandom and I guess possibly the worst aspects of <laughs> yeah. fandom. It's a very, very dark and um, I don't know if gritty is the right word, but it's a very sort of dark version of the Big Bang Theory, isn't it? That's a great description of it. Yeah, it, is, it ultimately is, isn't it? It's And it predates the Big Bang Theory, but it, it covers the same sort of thing. So we've got Bill, Josh, Pete and Jerry, who are the four members of the group that you just described there. Um Dawkins describes it as being born out of anger in the text piece at the back, doesn't he? Um, he does. Now, he worked in a comic shop. So he worked in Jim Hanley's University in Staten Island, which I think is where Story lives. Um, um, Jim Hanley's is a, a small chain of comic shops. There's a couple in New York, and then there's one out on Staten Island as well. Um, and then a lot of what he experienced in those shops made it makes its way into this book. Yeah. And who was the guy that he, uh, a friend of his who was a writer who, who um, had killed off the character Ice in DC Comics and then got hate mail. And death oh, threats. that's right. I've forgotten now, but it was a Justice League writer, wasn't it? And he, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, and it's, it's actually almost a horror film for me some, at some points, you know? Yes. Uh, I'm just trying to flick through and find it. But yes, there's certainly a friend of his who was a writer. And it part, you know, as he said, he, he's Evan Dawkins' reaction to it was to write this book about fans and how 
utterly terrible they can be <laughs> when they're at the extremes of the hobby. Yeah, and we'll talk a bit about that and about how realistic it is as well, I think, in a bit. But what was the... Was this the first time you came across Evan Dawkins' work? So, like you suggested, I had I had read a little bit of Milk and Cheese. Yeah. So I think Milk and Cheese is the first sort of regular strip that he got known for. Yes, which was in Deadline over here, wasn't uh, it? Yeah, and I think that's where I saw it. I think I saw the odd issue of Deadline and the odd issue of this strange American comic about two anthropomorphic uh, dairy products who <laughs> yeah. hate everybody and everything and i think they were mostly like one or two page strips weren't they yeah yeah um and then i'd hear about milk and cheese listening to american comics podcasts from time to time but i hadn't read eltonville at all until you suggested it and i hadn't really come across dork his other sort of comic yeah uh, again which i've, I've since We'll talk about that later. I've since Comicsology that and Milk and Cheese. Oh, nice. But yeah, no, Eltonville was completely new to me when you suggested it, Tony. Yeah, I'd, for me, I'd seen it about a lot, and um, I'd, I'd like you. I'd love, I'd love Milk and Cheese. Um, I'd read a couple of his other stuff that sort of it, it's not, it, it's not really in his voice because he's done a lot of other stuff elsewhere, almost like cash, cash jobs. I think a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, but I. I used to, I hang about when I, a friend of mine is Fingerman, Bob Fingerman, who watched this space. I think he's going to be on an episode coming up. But he, um, he's always, he's friends with Dawkins, and he's always saying, "Why haven't you read Eltonville? You'll, you know, you'll so recognise all these people that you see at conventions." And he ranked on me for a, a good couple of years, saying I should be reading it. And then I did read it, and it read it on the ACP just for the ACP episode we had when Evan Dawkins was on. Um, and I absolutely adored it, man. I think it's so insightful. It's, uh, it, it's, it's a description of a certain time and a certain period. Um, of fandom i think in the states mostly i'm going to say do you think that's right or yeah i think it's very it is very american fandom i know you know we'll perhaps talk about how much british fandom sort of uh mirrors this as well episode 197 there you go. of the awesome comics podcast evan dorkin yeah good yeah, now plug, plug. yeah thank you man uh, see um it was actually really nice and um i think if you listen to it even at the start of the interview we said we've been talking for about half an hour before we pressed record and he stayed for a good while afterwards chatting and he was very pleasant but you and i have both shared some youtube videos where i wouldn't want to have been the interviewer i've got to be honest with you <laughs> uh, poor chap <laughs> so we'll perhaps talk about that now okay um, there is the best the best interview with evan dawkin is episode 197 of the awesome comics podcast thank you very kind um, <laughs> the there is there is a youtube uh, and it's quite long. It's about, is it about half an hour or something yeah, like I that think in total? So. Yeah. And it was filmed at Toronto, uh, is it TCAF? Tom I think it was. Yeah, that's Toronto about right. Comic Art. And um, so here's tips for an interviewer. First of all, you don't catch your, your subject at the end of a long day Yeah. when they. <laughs> They want to get out of there and go and get something to eat and, you know, freshen up. But they caught him at the end, either at the end of the convention or the end of a long day. And the interviewer is, he's not great, is he, Tony? There's, there's, a, very, there's a very awkward quality to it, but which is which is made worse by Evan, like, not answering questions and pointing out things and being very sort of scatty. <laughs> yes. It. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, it's a it's a really weird interview, unfortunately. Um, and I know you said that you'd seen some of that interview before you had him on the podcast, but you didn't tell Vince and Dan about it. Yeah. So uh, Vince, just is in case you worried, Vince is an even bigger fan of his work than me, and it, but he's loved him for the sort of Beast of Burden and horror books and stuff like that that he's done. And right. Um. He. He. Um. He was saying, "Oh, I've I've messaged Dawkins. He's coming on. So brilliant." Now, so. I did some, re you know, we, we all watch the odd YouTube video as we do for this show, you know, to see what people are like. And I watched that and I said, I literally told them not to watch it. Um, I said, you, you right. can't watch that because that's going to, that's going to color your, we're going to, you're going to be frightened of him when he comes on, you know, how it's, he's going to react. It's an absolute car crash of an interview, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and it's some, you know, it's some comic network, uh, I don't know, some comic YouTube channel or something like that who put this up because this is their guy and they're, their cameraman doing the interview yeah um it's i think the character josh in eltonville he ends up at the end of the book in some he's doing something similar he's running some sort of uh he's in some element of comic fandom he's trying to worm his way into that's DC right. comics yeah and it, 
it's a bit like that you know they've got their comic network on their youtube channel and they've done this car crash of an interview with uh, evan dorkin who was at the end of a long day and looked like he's had enough but he does 30 or 40 minutes of it um <laughs> and he sort of it's almost um what's it like it's like one of those jazz geniuses who just uh, improvise and extemporize on a yeah. theme and he runs away with it <laughs> it's great stuff yeah, it's good stuff there's another one i think it, i think it's with i'm going to say comic book resources or someone like that and he's just staring and at one point the interviewer is like full of beans you know typical american interviewer you know full of enthusiasm and beans and he's at one point he looks at him and he says what you look like uh, you look like a, a deer in the headlights <laughs> he's just staring yeah <laughs> just genius yeah yeah um so a little, little before we get into the the book itself let's talk a little bit about Dawkins and what he's done so he's brought, um, born um 1965 in brooklyn um but moved out to staten island in his early years um and he often mentions staten island in his social media but the eltingville is actually an area of staten island which i didn't realize until i looked it up this morning um like we say, he worked in Jim Hanley's at Staten Island. I think it's closed now. I'm not 100% sure, but I think so. He studied animation at the New York University and then switched to studying comics. Started at Eternity Comics um, with his first gig, which was Pirate Corps, which is which then moved to Slave Labor Graphics, which he still talks a bit about, actually. It's still sort of very, very well thought of. But his first published thing in comics was in 1982. He had a letter published in Rom, the Space Knight, issue 37. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so he's uh, he always has been like a big a big comics fan. Still very busy to this day. He's very active on Instagram. If you go to at Evan Dorkin on Instagram, there's a lot of stuff going on. He's selling off a lot of um, stuff he's found in his you know, the room he draws in and stuff. Um, he's also known, like you say, for Milk and Cheese, the sort of anarchy of that is, is famous. He did um, Bill and Ted comics, which he's back. Oh yes, that's right. Back doing again now. He did, he's doing Bill and Ted are Doomed, um, which I think comes out in. I think it might first issue might just be out actually, with art by Roger Langridge, and he's doing the covers as well. So he's just writing that, which is what he does a lot actually. He writes quite a lot of right. stuff. He's won a number of awards. He won um, Eisner's for Beast of Burden um, with Jill Thompson and for Eltingville actually. But Beast of Burden is quite a darling of a book. It's um anthropomorphic dogs i think um it's it's, it's a good, it's a very good book blackwood which is a horror book tv i suppose he's best known for tv i sent you a clip through you and gary a clip through the um the eltingville pilot did you get a chance to have a look at that yes i did i watched the eltingville cartoon pilot uh and he also there was a show called space ghost coast to coast yeah which was some send-up of late-night talk shows, I gather, that he wrote for. That's um, right. Yeah, he was on. He was a staff writer for that, and he wrote for quite a lot of them. Um, I think along along with um, his missus, didn't he? I think they both worked on it. They both worked on it, yes. And I, I know that... I mean, Evan Dorkin, he's sharp as a tack. Yeah. As you say, he loves comics, he loves pop culture, uh, although he's ridiculing it to a certain degree, or he's ridiculing fans of it to a certain degree in this book. Yeah. But he also... I read some stuff from him recently which was basically like you know i should have just stuck with the tv stuff because it paid so well yeah um but he actually you know he sort of he's come away from it a little bit to just carry on writing comics even though he knows that he was making a more steady living uh, writing for tv yeah exactly um, he's very interested interesting creator yeah he really is there's a real depth to him isn't there there's, there's a darkness yeah. to him often i think when you see stuff there's um yeah, I, can, I think uh, Vince Bond put it best on um, AC on 11 o'clock comics recently by saying someone go and give him a hug. So occasionally yes. he does need a hug. But he also worked on the Batman. Well, we'll talk about that when we talk about Dork. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Yeah. He also worked on the Superman and the Batman Beyond cartoon series as well, which was obviously very uh, successful. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, right. So let's let's dive a little bit. Um, funny enough, um, the other thing I meant to mention is. Um, the Space Coast Coast to Coast gets mentioned, I think, on like page three of Eltingville, doesn't it? Yes, I yeah. think so. He gets a reference in. But there's a reference to everything in this book, isn't there, if you <laughs> yeah. look for it? It's, it's, it's jam-packed with references. I think Judge Dredd's boots in it in the San Diego Comic-Con ah, um, okay. uh, one at the end. I think Bill's getting stood on by Judge Dredd boots but anyway we'll come back to that as and, well. and maybe a future one for the mega city book club there's a there's a slight link there yeah, isn't there? yeah. <laughs> one um, panel yeah. yeah exactly yeah um so th these are i don't know do it do any of them have are any of them truly redemptive at any point in this comic i don't know well so they're awful pe yeah. people they're all they're four awful human beings whose family 
around them has driven them to worse extremes of behavior and so the book is a number of um, individual stories, but there's a sort of slight continuing thread through it all. And they, they interact with, um, what is it? They have a Twilight Zone marathon. There's the first one, which is about a Han, a Boba Fett yeah. action. Well, the, the first time. one, the very first one is about the prom, isn't it, essentially? Um, oh, oh, yes, that's right. They're missing their prom, aren't they? And that's, that actually happened to Dawkins. So that yes. happened to him. He, he, so they're all round. And it's a book of if you if you want a um, like a gentle discussion book. This is not the one. It's it's literally yeah. an argument for the whole book, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and at one point, it's four characters shouting at each other. <laughs> yeah, it's like the ATP. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, the uh, and they they they're arguing about you name it. They literally argue about every pop culture thing you could think of. Um, um, is that the episode where one of them's got a porn film that has been sold a, a snide porn film that he thinks has got Natasha Yar naked in it or something from Star Trek so they, they, he thinks he's bought a VHS tape so there's that dates it he thinks he's yeah. bought a VHS tape of um, uh, babes of science fiction um, <laughs> yeah. porn film and they sort of like they figure out how to get it on and put it on and they're ready to watch it and he's been sold something has he been sold some dwarf comedy show or something? Oh, is it? I can't remember. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But right in the middle of it, somebody says, um, oh, you know, it's the prom tonight. And there's like a pause and then they just continue again. So it's it's kind of this yeah. tragic bit of a tragic moment there. I mean, they're all sad individuals, aren't they? They're misfits of society, but they don't see it in their own heads. They aren't. Yeah. And it, it's perhaps interesting because you asked about redemption of these characters because yeah. the, the the character who asks that question is Jerry, the gamer. Yeah. And when we get to the end of the book, he's the one has moved out of this. Yeah. Um, because we see them at San Diego Comic Con at the end of the book when they're grown up. Yeah. Uh, and we see, you know, how the characters have turned out. And Jerry's the one who's made the biggest life move. I'm sure we'll talk about that at the end, but yeah, he really has, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, now, I suppose, and now that we're into it, let, let's ask if they're anachronisms. Are they, are they, is this, is this people we don't see in comics anymore? Are comics too cool for school now, do you think? Uh, well, there's a lot more cool people have come into comics, or I suppose a lot more cool people have revealed themselves to have been comic fans all along, haven't they? Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. And some of us, you know, some of us were comic fans, and some of them maybe, I suppose, just um, getting on board the bandwagon now that comics, are, as you say, are so cool. Yeah. Um, and they make all the money at the movies. So, yeah. Um, do we find characters like the Ultimate Wolf Club in comics fandom now? Are they still out there? Yeah. Are they in British fandom? That's one of the questions you are. Yeah, when it? I emailed you with that one, didn't I? And it's a question that yeah. sort of plays on my mind a lot. And I don't really see people like this at Thought Bubble, for example. Speaking of Thought Bubble, it's no. the weekend as we speak. But I also don't really see people like this at LCAF. But I do see the equivalent at, say, MCM or New York. So when... When the um you know when they open you know the ten thirty the, the 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 noise goes off and the doors open and people leg it in, these are the people who leg it to the Funko stall for me. Yes, um, to get the exclusive, the convention exclusive design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've well I've been I've been going to conventions for the last sort of ten twelve fifteen years. Yeah, uh, I think I've spoken on your show before, Tony. That I didn't really go. Well, I never went to any of the UCACs back in the eighties and nineties. Yeah. And I know you did. Yeah. But and I was thinking I was reading the Elterville Club, thinking about the fans that I've met, and I've stood in an awful lot of queues because I get a lot of stuff books signed for charity and so on. Yeah. So I've stood in an awful lot of queues at an awful lot of conventions in the last ten years, and I always try and strike up a conversation with the people around me, and I was thinking about it and thinking, yes, there's certainly there's certainly people, some people have better social skills than others. Yeah. But I hadn't really met anybody in a queue who I didn't get on with. And then I realized, and this will play right into your court, I'm afraid, Tony, the one guy <laughs> that I stood next to at London Super Comic Con, who I'd really wished I hadn't spoken to, <laughs> was a cosplayer. Right, good. Yeah. Um, and who, when he realized that I knew nothing about Assassin's Creed, he decided to tell me about Assassin's <laughs> Creed. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, oh, God's sake. You know? and, 
But I tell you, you know the ones you said, the ones who rushed to the Funko Pop store? Yeah. The ones I sort of won always wondered about is the guys you see in the queue who've got a suitcase on wheels yeah. full of books. Uh, and they don't talk to anybody, it seems. They don't have conversations. It's very difficult to strike up a conversation with them. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry to classify a group of people, but That's I fine. always wonder about them. And you think when they get to the front of the queue and they pull out 50 copies of the same book or whatever for the, you know, for Brian Bolland to sign or whatever. And I think, goodness, you know, what's going on with that? Yeah. yeah, You do see it, don't you? A lot. And um, sometimes it's a shopping trolley. It's not even a suitcase. It's the old school little old lady shopping trolley as well. You see that occasionally. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they're the people Uh, who are so tied up in it, aren't they? They're so, I mean, you and I both, you know, we think a lot about comics every day, I'm going to say, but uh, these people are so tied up in it. It's, it's, um, it's not even escape from reality. It's just totally their reality, isn't it? I think. Yeah. And of course the four characters of the Elfenville club, particularly at the start of the book. And I guess in the middle of the book, it's entirely their reality. Everything is pop culture and the films they go and see and the action figures they try to steal from the toy shops. (laughs) And (laughs) that's the the thing that I, that's the, the one thing I thought, Oh, okay. Um, no matter, no matter at any point in my sort of totally obsessive behavior around comics, have I ever considered stealing anything? And I just, I don't know if I've ever, I don't, I don't know if I've often seen that. I know we hear about it, don't we? We hear about art being stolen and stuff, but yeah, I don't, Yeah. maybe in America. I mean, there's some interesting stories in the history of comics about art, theft of artwork and also about you do hear occasionally about conventions where somebody just grabs something and runs. I did hear about those stories. Yeah, yeah. I even heard a story about, was it Lou Faringo, the Hulk guy, who sort of <laughs> somebody stole something from him at a, at a convention. You think, this is the last person I would steal. From, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. Yeah, he'll uh, knock down a plastic wall or a cardboard wall. Exactly, and, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. he'll be out of that bad shirt in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I, I, the other thing we're going to do is we're going to choose a couple of bits a minute we, we like or we thought were worth, walking, worth talking about. Did you want to go first with one of yours, dude? Or? Well, um, let's start in the middle of the book then with okay. uh, the, the zombie walk where they get involved in uh, a zombie walk. And it, this is the one bit in the book that's coloured by yeah. his wife, Sarah Dyer. It makes it really... And, I really like the... I mean, I like the, the fact it's black and white, and I kind of like the yeah. underground feel of it, but the colour was quite pleasant. It didn't put me off at all. Yeah, I think it's so, well coloured, yeah. And you can see the TV cartoon pilot a bit in this. Yeah, that's true. And, of course, they have a huge furious row about whether zombies... Stumps, you know, are slow or fast, basically slow and fast zombies, yeah. and there's huge, and of course it all like everything in the book, like everything they get involved in, um, they just they just make everything worse, and it ends up in a huge <laughs> fight. <laughs> and yeah, I mean they they literally burn down a comic shop at one point. They almost they do they burn down the comic shop. They, yeah. they cause a riot at a convention and people die. It's 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 it is really turned up to eleven, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, no, yeah. that's a great sequence. And I, I really like the bit at the end where they because they're so lazy that the biggest thing they cause this terrible thing to happen, and the most they can think about is complaining about how far they have to walk home. Yes. So, yeah, really good. Yeah. And then Josh goes home to his mother, still dressed as a zombie, and terrifies her. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, Josh what is... Uh, go on, sorry, man. Go on. I was going to say, what about you? What would be your pick from the book? Yeah, well, that's one of the ones for me, and this is a sort of slightly shorter one, but Josh is um, the most horrific for me, I think. Um, right. He, they, they're, They've all got bad bad elements of themselves, you know, but for a big part of it, I think, especially at the start, I mean, they don't... By the end of it, it becomes someone else, who I'm sure we'll talk about during the San Diego bit. But Josh is um, just horrific, isn't he? He's like, he he's definitely not someone I would speak to in a queue at a signing. Um, no. But he, um, we get two pages, I think page 41 and 42, for those reading along at home, where we just get Josh's day. Um, oh, uh, Captain's blog. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, it's basically him trying to eat a load of, is it some kind of cereal breakfast macaroni and cheese he's trying to yeah. eat so much that he can get a freebie um and this is clearly a geezer who you know doesn't have a job doesn't give a fuck about anyone else and just he, he's hiding stuff in supermarkets so he can steal it later um 
and and it ends up with him with the shits on the toilet because he's eating so much macaroni and cheese and it's just it's just it's very it's oh, it's not overly written because i don't think this book is overly written but it's very dense in writing and it just sort of shows the life of this bloke who's just completely and utterly obsessed with you know he's got a mage t-shirt on you know he's he's probably yeah. too fat to get a proper pair of jeans so he's got a pair of shorts on he's one of these sort of guys you know um, yeah when he finds out that the other members of the club have just taken the pasta boxes, thrown the pasta away, and kept your, kept the, the coupons. And he thinks, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He tried to eat it all his way through it. And, it, and you know, and there he is. I mean, you know, we'll, this is the thing about fandom, because at one point he is on the computer. And, of course, that's where toxic fandom has gone, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really has, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we see it moving that way. Um, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the other one I'm going to... Another one I'm just going to mention is the... Um, page 47 which is where um is it 47 yes uh, is it josh who is it he gets it bill gets um a, bill. He, basically, he basically gets sort bill of gets the intervention yes yeah, basically like a couple of scientologists kidnap him don't they and and are paid by his mum um any other religions are available uh, paid by his mum to sort of intervene and stop him being such a freak yeah. um and it's got some of the best quotes in it as well that section so she laughed at the size of my star trek collection when you you know <laughs> um that'll teach you to fuck with a man's gundam you know it's like just oh just cringing like little lines but you you hear these people saying them don't you yeah yeah and um so they kidnap him take him back to his house they kidnap him from the street in the old sort of kidnap van as he's walking along he's just had a row with the, his mates again and um they take him back to his room and he's so vicious he's so horrific that the, he finds out that the two people who've kidnapped him are both ex-nerds themselves who've been um brought back to normality um through from their brainwashing and um and he, he sort of turns them himself doesn't he? he just sort of argues with them constantly um all the way through and it, it's quite a long one i think it's the longer one for the time for that period of time and it just goes on and on and on and as usually it just turns into a lot of shouting and a lot of fighting i thought it was yeah. really good see i was see, i thought bill was the most monstrous of the characters right okay um partly for this episode where he is you know he's tied up in his man cave with all of his collection and these two blokes are supposed to be staging an intervention but he ends up he, you know he ends up basically turning them back to the dark side <laughs> yeah. rather than the other way around um and when we get to the end of the book i think bill is the most yeah uh, most definitely yeah yeah most horrible but yeah, it's tricky because as you say the competition between him and josh as to who's the most outrageous uh toxic fan is uh pretty harsh yeah and evan dorkin writes so he does you know there's a lot of stuff in there isn't there yeah, there's there a is. lot of words in panels and there's also a lot of background detail that he draws because he can really yeah. draw as well oh god yeah yeah totally yeah yeah, he's got it down, hasn't he? And he has. It, yeah, it becomes slightly more simplistic with the cartoon designs. You can see where he knows his design work that works in each medium. But yeah, he really is. And that's another favourite moment of mine is page seventy-three, where he homages the um, the thing in the Fantastic Four, this man, this monster, and he does this fan, this monster, and he totally captures the way that Kirby dealt Kirby dealt with the rain on the thing in that page, and he he, he uses it and. Um, shows it in josh um really not josh sorry bill it re really nicely done i really love that page i think if there's ever a page out of this book that would be the one playing the grail page look look at me i've been listening to your show yeah. too much yeah but the uh it's that's it, the grail page from this book isn't it it really is full page it? title page this fan this monster uh evan dawkins sort of you know version of that famous thing cover yeah um and it's beautiful. I mean, it's gorgeous black and white page. I shall tweet a picture of it when the episode comes out oh, nice one, um, yeah. so people can see what we're talking about. But yeah, it's great, isn't it? That's yeah. so good. Yeah. Did you have any other favourite moments yourself? Or? Well, Sandy, uh, well, after the intervention, there's the one with the TV uh, sales <laughs> channel. What's the shopping channel? It's the QVC type thing, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And, you know, this was, I think this was a real thing in the 90s when... Oh, full admissions the... here, man. Full total admissions here. And I show my geek credentials is I also used to tape the show and watch it the following day because it was always on at like really? 2 a.m. Yeah. But it was oh. the most monstrous slabbed variant copy type nonsense. I think it was the guy who owns Valiant. I think he's the one who did it. Right. Yeah. And they would have copies that were signed by the letterer or something, <laughs> yeah. something like that. And they'd say, oh, this is a real collector's item. And they would get the prices up. And so there's this late night tv shopping host 
and I think Josh phones in and then Bill phones in and they basically work, you know, they expose this guy as just a salesman who actually knows nothing about yeah. uh, pop culture uh, and they ruin him. They like everything else they ruin in this book. They ruin this guy and his show. He has a breakdown, um, doesn't he? Literally. Yeah, he has an on, on air breakdown because of these two guys um, who are outing him as a non-nerd. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and he says things like you know i'm glad i had a drink before the show and all this sort of thing and he he ends up just smashing the place up with a lightsaber or something i think yes yeah, yeah. being dragged off by the police or the security guards isn't he <laughs> <laughs> before we get just to the san diego one because i know that's one we want to talk about definitely is uh, yeah. just a one page that i just thought might be worth mentioning and it kind of shows the history that this book was from a while ago is eight, page 83 when a woman walks in the comic shop oh right okay yeah yes. so there's there's a there's very few just silent panels in this but this has got a number of silent panels so it just shows the back of a woman they're all staring and there's a back of a woman with a sort of anime backpack on she looks a bit like death actually the high cost yes. yeah it looks a bit like her yeah and she's saying oh hi there do you have the new saga trade and everyone just stares at her next panel everyone including the bloke who owns he's a horrific bloke who owns the shop is staring at her and then they all get their camera phones out and take pictures of her before she runs off <laughs> but that used to be comic shots we never used to get women in comic shots that's how it used to be you know there's a joke i mean it's you know it's not terribly funny joke but there's a joke in the sandman in the game of you which happens in the middle of the sandman run where one of the characters barbie because she wants to memorialize her dead friend who was a fan of superman and bizarro comics she goes into a comic book shop to buy a copy of bizarro to take to the funeral okay and the owner in the shop says something to her like we don't normally see women with um, breasts as small as yours in a comic shop <laughs> my god um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the basis that you know like this comic shop that no women ever go into them yeah and it's all exclusively these horrible sweaty overweight <laughs> yeah. grim looking men who just stare at her and then all take pictures of her and she runs out you, yeah. you know um, yeah this this it reminds me of that line from is it chasing amy which i think the amy character says comics is is the realm of overweight underweight people who live in their mother's basement um yeah and that's that's kind of well, what we got here isn't it this is the Eltonville Club. That's you yeah, know yeah. these these guys who literally live in their mother's basements, yeah. and then when a, a young woman walks into the shop to ask about Saga, they sort of uh, um, well they drive her out. It's terrible. And and there's actually because later on at San Diego, Bill has his rant yes. as a woman at San Diego, and he uh, accuses her of being a fake fake nerd, nerd or something, isn't it? Yeah, 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 and then. When he's finished his rant, Pete, who's the sort of horror fan, um, says something like, wow, I, I'm, I'm someone who thinks women ain't much more than receptacles, and even I'm offended by that shit. <laughs> it's terrible, isn't it? I mean... It's terrible. This this is more realistic to me than for the a certain era, a certain era of, of fandom than the Big Bang Theory is. I'm I don't know if I don't know if you you get this at your work, but I get I go, are you going to a convention? Is it really like the Big Bang Theory? And I'm like, oh, Christ, here we go. You know. Yes. Yeah. But this is uh, for a certain for a certain period, a certain era. Yeah. And the common received wisdom is is that we don't like the Big Bang Theory because it's laughing at us and not with us. Yeah. Um, and I have to say, I I don't like the Big Bang Theory. I don't like it particularly because it's just one joke repeated over and over again. Yeah. You know, but it is far. It's what? It's one of the most successful TV shows ever. It made them all millionaires. Multi-millionaires, aren't they? Yeah. 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 Yeah, um, There's another film by James Robinson, actually. I think he wrote it and directed it, which is called um, Comic Book Villains. Um, there's there's a couple of people in it you'll recognise a couple there's some guy from American Pie and there's a couple of actors in it you recognise and that's about two warring comic book shops from the 90s it's, it's oh, interesting right. it's nearer to this um, you don't often see it anymore I think I've got it on one of those previously viewed out of um, what was the name of the re- the video rental shop we used to go to um, not Blockbuster yeah Blockbuster yeah like you know old an old copy from blockbuster i think i've got it on dvd from but yeah yeah i was chatting to um james robinson about it and he he kind of regrets doing it because it, it shows a sort of weird dark side of it all but yeah it's interesting yeah a very weird dark side of comic fandom or in fact you know nerd fandom in the Elton club it's you know it's all the dark side isn't it yeah yeah i mean being from 
I mean, not not mostly, but partially you're from the 2000 AD side of things. 2000 AD fandom is its own fandom in a way, isn't it? It's very different from a lot of other fandoms. Yeah, I, I guess so. Um, I mean, I've, I've, you know, like yourself, I've met an awful lot of 2000 AD fans. Um, we have fairly regular meetups with them, or at least we used to. We will get back to that hopefully yeah, next year. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, everybody I've met has been pretty much okay or better you know yeah they mostly they mostly i think i don't want to make this a politics show but they mostly have small l liberal views about stuff yeah like i say you know social skills vary in the general population and particularly in the in the nerd population i said nerd copulation there, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you dr freud um <laughs> but yeah you know i don't see these characters in british fandom that i bump into let's no. put it that way but you know they're probably all sitting on the internet trying to get ryan johnson or in fact no not you know trying to get somebody to remake the last jedi yeah yeah um uh, uh, or reading bleeding cool in, or something yeah yeah reading bleeding cool read, send it sorry but and send in horrible hate and death threats to female actors and anybody who dares suggest that there's a slightly different reading of their favorite work of fiction i yeah you know yeah i think yeah i think you're right man that's definitely where it's moved and i think the 2000 ad things always i mean they, they do love to argue god bless them i love 2000 ad fans and i'm one of them but yeah but two things they love to have an argument they love to rag or three things they love to rag on 2000 ad and they love a drink and i don't think that's too bad i think that's all right you know sort of yeah i, I the, the you know the drinking and the arguing bit uh, is great, yes. Um, <laughs> the attacks on creators just oh, yeah. because you don't like yeah. their work, that yeah. bit bothers me. And there is, you know, well, I won't mention other podcasts. Yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. But the, to me, yeah. to me, it's just like whenever you speak to a 2000 AD fan, say, what, you know, what are you enjoying at the moment? They'll go, it's not as good as it used to be. That's the sort of common. Oh, I know. <laughs> but every, everything's not as good as it used to be when we were kids. It's like that, yeah. you know, that famous saying you know what's the golden age of comic books well the golden age of comic books is 12 yes exactly you know yeah nothing is as good as when you were 12 yep i agree completely and utterly yeah so did you want to have a little chat about the most recent section now this is the stuff that was published direct by dark horse and is almost um an end note to it isn't it it's like he he's done with it he walks away from it almost at the end of this and that's the san diego sequence so this takes place a number of years later at San Diego. And I've got to tell you, if we talk about backgrounds, he draws at the head of about what about 500 people in one of these panels at one point. So he, he's astonishingly detailed. and ev So he draws every character you can think of being cosplayed at San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, yeah, I mean, some of the panels are so detailed and actually so beautiful in black and white. Yeah. But as you say, this is, this is I don't know, what, five or ten years after the rest of the strip. Yeah. They've grown up. Uh, there's been a huge falling out. I think Bill doesn't talk to any of them yeah. anymore. And then Jerry turns up, and Jerry is the one. He was the gamer. He's the one who's become, A, I think he's successful because he's managed to turn his interest in Magic the Gathering into a career. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And he's also become... He's become more human, hasn't he? He's yeah. become a sort of like, you know, a kinder, gentler person, it seems. And, of course, he's attracted the nerd girlfriend who presents some late-night uh, TV comic show or something yeah. and is there as a reporter. I think he... Does it... Is it Bill who refers to him as levelled up? You look like you've levelled up from he a does, sort of video that's game. right, yes. Yeah. He says you look healthy. You look like you've levelled up, Yeah. Yeah, which is a great reference. <laughs> yeah, and then there, and Jerry says to him, "You're still rocking the plaid." I see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, which is what I'm wearing at the moment, sadly. But the yeah. so, so he um, it's a it's a funny one. There's a couple of there's a couple of great quotes in it. Um, they took they spend a good few panels talking about all the female cosplayers wandering about. Um, and one of them says, "No, it's, it's his description of whether it's a good cosplay or not." He says, "No wood, no good." <laughs> yeah. So unless it gives him a boner, he's he's it's not a very good cosplayer's thing. And then they have an argument about cosplays, and um and then they're sort of leching after this woman who walks up to the group, and it turns out to be his girlfriend, isn't it? Yeah, turns out to be Jerry's girlfriend. Yes. Yeah. And uh, he keeps saying to them, uh, "Guys, guys." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it's 
And yes, I was going to say it's a bittersweet ending, but it's it's not even sweet, is it? There's nothing in this book that's sweet, really. They they all revert to type, um, literally kill people in this mass panic they cause, um, and then a well, hint suggesting and, that uh, Josh Whedon is uh, in, uh, doing a Firefly reunion at the Comic Con. <laughs> yeah, and he says it in a megaphone. He jumps on the table, yeah. doesn't he, Bill? Um, and then and then they sort of sit in the sit in the um, is it Ecto One or something? I think you meant to. The, They're in the Ghostbusters car, aren't they? Yeah, um, and the argument continues, and it just it goes on for a couple of pages of them sitting there arguing. So, and then Bill, this is where I think Bill, you know, because he provokes the argument. Yeah. Um, Jerry's brought the gang back together for lunch at the at San Diego Comic Con because he thought it would be a nice thing to do, and they could all move on beyond their teenage yeah. um, fallout. And Bill goes on his rant about, uh, particularly about Jerry's girlfriend and how she's fake and about, you know, people aren't real fans. People are just pretending. Is he? I don't know if he's screaming at people like me who perhaps, you know, revealed that we were fans when we'd sort of kept it fairly quiet for years. I don't know. But yeah, he has maybe. this awful rant. I, um, I took it to be more the the fake fans now that the movies are out and everything like that the the people who decide they're into comics but because they because they think it's a cool scene i'm a bit like you amen i yeah. didn't we both come from industries where probably wasn't wise to tell everyone we we're big comic fans <laughs> yeah know? exactly yeah um and i i kept it you know quiet quiet and would you know just go and buy my comics quietly and maybe chat to one or two people about it but yeah it's um I think I think it's more directed towards people who just decide it's cool. Oh, this is this is the hot new thing. I'll get into it, which is I think where they're going with his. Is it? I forget her name. Is it Jodie? I can't remember the the name of the girlfriend as well. I think that's yeah. where they're going with that. And she's right. pretty hot. He's done white. You know, right. he's done all right for himself there. That's a big that's a big turnaround. Yeah. So she, you know, Jerry, he's done all right. He's got, you know, he looks like as you say, he's leveled up. He's become a human being, a proper adult. Um, and Bill ruins it all again and it ends up in a massive fight and a, and a stampede and they have to hide out in the Ghostbusters car. Uh, and as you know, one of the things he accuses the girl of the woman of is uh, he calls her, says, you're not a real fan. You just cosplay as one. And he says, you didn't even get Pete's return of the living dead reference. And then I had to go back because I realized I'd missed that reference. Yeah, me too. No, me too as well. Yeah. 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 Yeah, the um, um, there's Pete as well. We haven't really mentioned Pete. Pete's um the horror fan, and he ends up working for a a horror themed porn company, and yes. and ends up sleeping with a, or according to him sleeping with a load of porn stars. He loses his hair and like like begins to seriously look quite sleazy, and he's yeah. he, he's one of the characters who's always drawn or often drawn without eyeballs, which is a really strange choice. It makes him look quite distinctive with a big monobrow as well. Yes, he's got the monobrow. He doesn't. You don't see his pupils. Yeah, you just see these white circles for his eyes throughout. Uh, it, yeah, he's a pretty slimy little creepy character throughout the whole book. But even he is appalled, as I said, by Bill's outburst. Yeah. Um, uh, and you know, because Evan Dawkins' drawing style, because the one thing when I'm looking at this book that it reminded me of was I was thinking to myself, if you think of America. American comics with an X at the end, yeah, Tony, you yeah. know, um, and I sort of, for some reason, I associate it with pictures of angry men who are sweating a lot. <laughs> and I realized, I think that's probably Robert Crumb. Yes. Yeah. yeah I, I was about to say think, that. I don't think you've done an episode on yet, have you? But, no. you know, that. And so all these like sleazy, intensely angry, sweaty men in their panel, you know, looking out at us from the panels. <laughs> It's quite weird, but yeah, Pete's a sort of creepy, slimy yeah. character, isn't he? Yeah, no, there is a direct line to Robert Crumb. I think here there is some, there is something of that, isn't it? The 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 grotesquerie in the world, you know, it, it's what we get here, isn't it? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a point. Um, so as a complete and utter counterpoint to that, there's there's a there's a bit in the back of the book, um, which I'm sure you've read, called the Northwest Comics with an X, like you just mentioned, Collective. Now, yeah. this for me is. Dawkins saying, "Look, comics has moved on. We've gone from these knobbers who go on about who can win in a fight between Batman and Superman, and it turns into a vast fight, to people who are up their own asses about you know graphic literature, whatever they want to bloody call it. 
Yeah, and this is, and I, I actually enjoyed this almost as much as the whole of the rest of the book because it's so, it's so on the nose with stuff like Marvel is the enemy, you know. Um, yeah. And then one of them says, speaking of which, does anyone actually have any finished pages to show? Yeah, but they're yeah, they're just like constantly on at each other about it. it's like one upping each other. Did you did you see that that there or? So I love this. Yeah. I thought the Northwest Comics Collective, um, and they're in some sort of there must be in some sort of hip city like Denver or Portland, and yeah. they are, as you say, they they hate all the mainstream stuff and they're into their own autobiographical, uh, pain memoir writings. But as you say none of them has actually finished anything. <laughs> yeah. And I was, this is the bit where I was very cruel, Tony, because I said. <laughs> I said to you, does the Northwest Comics Collective have a weekly podcast page? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, you sent me that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would actually got to the end of the book and I'd forgot that. And I think, what are you doing? And I actually Googled that. You caught me off guard there <laughs> with that. <laughs> yeah. Caught you out, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and they are, um, they're all parallels, aren't they? Each character in there. So you've got Aaron Winkleman, um, who's meant to be, you know, you've got J.J. Bird Haynes. He's Josh, isn't he? They're, there's yes, parallels he with each of the characters. But this... This would have been if these boys would have been born ten years later. This is possibly where they'd have gone with it, you know, this yeah. sort of thing. And they've reacted to mainstream comics. They're having nothing to do with that. These are indie comics creators, yeah. Um, and they spend all their time sitting around, firstly bitching about the mainstream, and then also bitching about indie creators who've made it, like Daniel Klaus. And yeah. uh, there's probably an Evan Dorkin. I think Evan Dorkin gets mentioned, doesn't he? Or at least oh, one okay. of his books gets mentioned. Yeah, there's, there's a lot um, written, isn't there? So yeah yeah it's great stuff and again you know it's at the back of the book it's in black and white they're clearly all for sort of doppelgangers or duplicates or or um you know parallel world versions of the Eltonvilles. um it's not it's not all that long it's only about what i don't know eight pages yeah it's not too bad is it yeah there's there's a great line hey is it possible to juxtapose juxtaposition because i think i just did that here by accident oh honestly i'm always hearing that in gosh to be fair but yeah the uh, yeah, the, the other <laughs> yeah they would they would shop at Gosh. They let's would. be honest. I love Gosh, but that's uh, where they would be definitely. Yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah. I, I know, I've said on this on this show before. I love Gosh, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, the, yeah, the other but, yeah, Northwest Comics Collective, and it ends perfectly. So it ends as a recreation of pretty much a scene we'd seen a number of times in Eltingville. Um, it ends with the usual masturbation scene. They all seem to go off and they all seem to honorize them. Is it honorize that they masturbate, you know, about something they've got, you know, uh, one's got a copy of cherry pop tart. I don't even know what that is. Um, one's Betty and one's masturbating to Betty and Veronica, but, Betty and Veronica. but the last line, he turns it again and he says, this would make a great autobio strip. And I thought, yes, you <laughs> absolutely nailed that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. They would. <laughs> yes. Uh, who's the guy who wrote the book um, paying for it? Oh, uh, Chester uh, Brown. Yeah. Chester Brown. Maybe. Yeah, you're right. That's a good book, yeah, actually, yes, man. I think you dig that. Exactly. Have you read yeah. that, have you? Or? No, I haven't. No, yes, I know of it. It's interesting. I know, I know the subject matter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, mind you, does it, you know, somebody's written the Horror Chronicles or, yeah. Some weirdo. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's happened. Yeah. Yeah, we do anything at uh, the new Larry Flint Productions where I work. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come to that. Yeah. Is it now to you? Is it overwritten? Do you? Do you is it, I mean, it's quite. If you opened it now and you think, oh, there's a lot of reading there, I can see it putting some people off. There's a lot there, isn't there? So he does put a lot of panels, and there's a lot of stuff going on in the panels, and there's an awful lot of dialogue and text. Yeah. Um. So that's his style, and you. It takes a little while to get get used to it. And you can can sort of go through it reasonably quickly and pick up the story and the plot and the characters and then go back and look at all the references that he's put in there and the jokes he's put in there. Um, I didn't actually, you know, because this was the first real sort of like long run of Evan Dorkin I'd read. It didn't put me off. I actually found this one a very straightforward and easy read. Yeah, I think the the 121 pages length is good for me. I think it's a nice length for it as well, you know. It's nice Christmas annual size. It's yeah, lovely. Back to that. Yeah. Now you explored it a bit beyond that, didn't you? So you went, you went on a bit of an Evan Dorkin rip, didn't you, this week? So I, I, well, I got, I got milk and cheese, which is mostly one or two pages of horrible jokes about humanity made by dairy products. <laughs> Very angry again. And then yeah. I was reading his Dork collection, which is a collection of a of a comic that he put out called Dork. Yeah, and 
again it's black and white it's densely written it's lots of jokes lots of references it starts out with um it's like a sitcom called murder family That's right. and then he does yeah. he does this thing called fisher price masterpiece theater <laughs> theater where he recreates famous works of literature but with fisher price sort of children's i don't know what they were little figures yeah um and then i was reading this and thinking oh it's mostly just you know again it's just short strips and then in the middle of the book which i've just was reading yesterday i think issue seven of dork it goes on this long it's almost like the 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 last panel of the eltonville it's like you know this would make a great autobiographical comic yeah and he goes into great autobiographical detail about his own uh his own issues his own anxieties his own therapy um you know he's a chap who's got he's had lots of stuff go on in his life uh and he talks about it on the page quite openly and i was reading it and you know sometimes when you're reading something and you think oh hang on this is darker and more serious than i was uh thinking i need to pay closer attention so that that was really interesting dork i would recommend it i mean i think the gelton bill's the the better read in a way yeah i think that's a good entry drug isn't it as they say Yeah. yeah yeah Yeah, I've got. I, I did the same as you before um, Evan came on came on the podcast. I downloaded Dork and read the majority of it. I don't remember that, but I'm, I'm definitely going to go back and look for that now. But yeah, right. There's a lot. There's there's so much good stuff from him, man. I just, uh, yeah. I mean, plus he... no, I'm fascinated by Beasts of Burden, which I haven't downloaded already. Yeah. Yeah. But that's him with Jill Thompson, and of course I've been talking about Jill Thompson on my other sure. podcast, which yeah. she, you know, Sandman artist um is beast because that's that's the animals one isn't that's it? right that's the dogs one now that's i think i don't think she does everything i think she definitely does the first one and then she comes right. back to it but there was quite a, a well documented it wasn't even a disagreement i think evan just went online and started complaining that he can't get hold of her um right and that that was going to be his wage for this year that book and she's not replying to any of his messages and i think it oh yeah right. and i think it got um i think it got put into you know the comic book resources and bleeding cool and i think they all did pieces on it and but i think they've made up now i think they're back being friends and, and collaborators again oh um, uh, right because like yourself you know if we pull back the curtains we do a little bit of research before these episodes i know it yeah. doesn't sound like it listeners, <laughs> but and i did see a tweet or instagram post of his where he was complaining about a comic book creator, but it wasn't named. And I, oh, I didn't realise. Okay. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's what it's yeah. all about. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, he's also a, a big movie fan. He's a big B-movie fan. Um, and he's got a podcast called Tear Them Apart, where him and a buddy, I think they're like old buddies from Staten Island, go through, you know, Attack of the Mushroom Men or something like that. And it's, uh, I think one of them, there's Attack of the Killer Bees, which is a particularly funny one. And they're worth listening to. They're quite good fun if you're on a car journey or something like that. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're pretty good. Um, yeah, but I say he's always on um, Instagram. Is where I find most of his stuff. And his his commissions aren't cheap, but he does do quite a lot of them. And they are nice. You know, they they're always um, fully detailed. And he has got a lovely, lo- lovely cartooning line. I'd, there's, it's not it's not it starts off a little scratchier uh, in this book especially. And by the end of it, there's a there's a cleaner line style to it. I think yes yeah. yeah there is it, it, you can see his progression and then you see the characters almost progress off the page into the cartoon characters yeah. they became for a pilot yeah and he talks about that in the book as well and as you say we've watched the pilot and uh it's a shame because i would watch that yeah me too yeah i'm not a big cartoon yeah. fan but they, there's um early on in the book we haven't talked about it there's um they basically have a competition to see who can own a buy a boba fett doll which the, yeah. the bloke in the shop has put at like $300 or some ridiculous price. And they have like, um, they ask each other questions and it goes on for hours and it's replicated really well in the cartoon, I thought, actually. Yes, yeah, yeah it comes across well, yeah. Good. Uh, so I'm glad you'd like that, man. That's the first one I've suggested to anyone else. It's always a, it's always a funny one. Um, Tony's first pick for his own podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, it's a good one. Uh, highly recommended. Track down the Elton Bill Club. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's good stuff, isn't it? Um, and it's, it's summed up for me by Mandy, her name was, which was the girlfriend at the end. And she says, were you guys ever friends? Which I think is quite nice. <laughs> yeah. And I think the answer is mm, probably not. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you've got friends like that, it's, it's just stepping away and going online and meeting someone new. But there you go. Yes. Yeah, good. Yeah. 
Cool, we're going to... Go to a convention and meet some nice people. Talk to people yeah. in a queue. As long as they're not cosplayers, yeah. then we're fine. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sorry to play into your prejudices. <laughs> My tone, narrative. But, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a cosplayer who upset me. Next yeah. year I'll be standing for the Mayor of London and just my platform would be anti-cosplay. It'll be no fun. cosplay, yeah, yeah. that's right, yeah. <laughs> um, cool, so we're going to just pause the advert and then I'm going to chat through um, with Eamon about some of his current projects. So, is someone scared to show their face online? They maybe attempt to hide behind an anonymous email or a direct message to someone like Amazon, Goodreads, or even, let's say, Kickstarter. Then why not call in the Snowflake Extermination Service, the SCS? They'll search and destroy for you. Advert meant to satire. Try looking that word up, you baby. There you go. That's the advert for this week. I'm not angry or anything about it. You melts. I tried to get something that was SEX, but I couldn't quite get it, yeah, Eamon. No, yeah. well, I will talk about that in a moment. <laughs> <laughs> right, now, I absolutely have been enjoying, obviously, Mega City Podcast, the book club, which I've always enjoyed. Um, but the a Handful of Dust, it's just ended. I've just literally been a bit heartbroken, because just before we, we started recording, I was listening to it. And it's, uh, it's maybe let's say, maybe on a hiatus. Is that the case? Yeah, so we've done, my daughter and I, Jenny, we did this A Handful of Dust podcast about Neil Gaiman's Sandman and a few of the spin-off titles. And if you want a nice short podcast project, it's 18 episodes and it's done for now. We do talk in the last episode about some books and comics that we might come back and do at some point in the future. But at the moment, that's gone on hiatus. That was was always planned as a sort of self-contained 2020 project because what does what do what do us blokes do during lockdown tony i know yeah we start a podcast exactly <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> there's been a bit of that are, moment, there yeah we are the cliche we did start a podcast yeah. during lockdown so there a handful of dust which you can find handful of dust podcast.blogspot.com or just search for a handful of dust in your podcast app and you'll find it and for me the and same, as you say it's only yeah the selling point for that dude is the fact that you get a young, you get um an older voice i know you're a huge sandman fan aren't you um yeah. you get a younger voice which is your daughter which is the generation obviously we want to hook and get into comics um but also um you see the different the change in sensibilities and the change in attitude in society because some of it is it's, I mean, it's 20 years since i read the sandman i've got to admit to you but I, I enjoy listening to your podcast about it but it's the world's moved on a little bit around certain things isn't it it has and uh, and what neil gaiman was writing which seemed incredibly progressive for the time yeah uh you know putting in um queer and transgender characters into you know an american mainstream comic book um but now you look back at it from 25 or 30 years in the future and you think actually some of this stuff is a bit dated and not very good yeah good and it was an interesting one because as you've listened to the podcast my daughter jenny calls me on my bullshit <laughs> yeah, yeah and there was an interesting one in the death miniseries where there's a musician's manager who's um sort of painted as a sort of good guy character and i'd always read him as a sort of fatherly good guy you know character yeah. and then jenny pointed out actually what he was doing was controlling this young woman and gaslighting her to a certain extent okay. or that at least was one you know yeah, like yeah. A modern yeah it and it and it really sort of like you know you can hear me in the episode go oh okay yeah i hadn't thought of that yeah yeah so yeah as you say it's a it's a young reader and an old reader talking about comics and you know hopefully keeps you entertained during lockdown particularly if you've read any of neil gaiman's comics or books i suppose that's the beauty of comics isn't it it lives in our experience of them um and there are good and bad comics but our experience of them will differ so much that it's, it's, that's that's why it's interesting to talk about i think yeah. I think that's why a lot of comics podcasts are so successful. I mean, you've got to think, comics podcasts are one of the biggest ones on the podcasting networks, and yet we're talking about an audio, in an audio medium, we're talking about a visual... About a yeah. visual, yeah. It's incredible, yeah. Really. And we're all about words and pictures, but it's just us words. Yeah, yeah. Good. Now, so I'll mention Mega City Book Club yes. just briefly, yeah. because on my... Uh, Mega City Book Club has got a Facebook page, yep. and on the Facebook page, I cannot post links to the Mega City Book Club uh blog site where the episodes post because oh, no. facebook banned my links as breaching community standards oh no and I know so i know it's point, happened to rich Sheep, yeah. isn't it as well yeah, yeah. And at some point somebody has reported 
my links as breaching community standards and oh. i can't and i've you know you you send off your messages to the facebook um artificial intelligence and nothing comes <laughs> back it just, you get this set reply that says it breaches community standards and never oh, tells you why that's awful man i didn't realize uh, that that you'd been reported because i yeah there's a parallel there in a minute yeah yeah well exactly because i was going to ask <laughs> tony what's the deal with you and adam Felp and kickstarter well I'd, why have you been banned we we do not know so as you've read, I'm sure you've read the first two issues. They, they are very lively, you know, but they're done as they're done yeah. as cartoon violence and sexuality, and and they're they're a, a satire, you know, modern society is where I put it. It's a sort of fairly sort of broad satire, but we we basically say that the world was ruined by a load of millennials who went off and did anime voiceover courses rather than actually working about nuclear physics. Thus, all the nuclear reactors blew up, causing the apocalypse. So that was our that was our origin story, you know, rather than you know war or yeah. something yeah so it's a sort of silly thing so we, and we play on the theme of religion and we play on the theme of hipsters and we play on the theme of um the world going to ship through just plain laziness and pride and stuff um so we got we we put as usual we put our third a third kickstarter up i think adam stuck it up on sunday or monday um just past and it usually takes a day or two to be authorized and we thought this is taking ages because what we do now i know we talked about this on your show is we send out an email to just get people to register the interest so this you know they'll be notified as soon as it goes live and it gives you an indication of how many pledges you're going to get and um it got to about midnight thursday night and we we were looking to go live the day of the thought bubble drink and draw the friday so friday the 13th and at midnight adam texted me saying they've, they've turned us down and we're like i'm like why and he says because we're promoting violence and pornography <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. Now, the, they hadn't seen that the book is drawn. It's not completely coloured, but it's almost finished. So they had they hadn't seen the book. There was no indication. In fact, there was there was no violence in the the images we showed we had we had placed on there. Then there was um, a woman with her top off, which if anyone has scrolled through Kickstarter knows is de rigueur for Kickstarter at the moment. You know, fairly common. Yeah, in Kickstarter comics. Yeah, and. Um, we don't know. We th we think someone might have reported us. That's what we've asked. We've asked for them to send us the confirmation that someone's reported us. And um, from that point on, I shall be digging to find out who it is. It's a little. Uh, uh, it's not a threat. It's just uh, something I'd like to find out. You know what area of comics don't approve of us, and that's what I'll be doing. Um, but yes, it's so Adam's very proactive, and uh, he's he's for a, a, a guy much younger than me. He's quite he's quite practical. And in the time it took for me to ring him back after the text message, um, he'd created a site to pre-order the book on um and right. i've just funny enough he's just texted me and i can confirm that we've now hit more pre-orders than we had pledges on the last two week kickstarter so it's actually been a success i think right. i think our notoriety and this was not planned <laughs> i promise you it sounds like it sort of was slightly planned but um it, it wasn't and um we've we've now we've we've turned it into a success and there's a lot of people who like the first couple of issues and the guys at 11 o'clock comics and vincent dan and, and yourself and some people have you know they got on and pre-ordered and it's been really it's been really nice actually and then we had a drink and draw last night we we hosted the thought bubble drink and draw and chris wild goose the batman you know porcelain artist yeah. came on and um he drew me in a safari suit riding a unicorn carrying a large very large sex toy <laughs> which uh, I'm describing as a baguette to try and get past Facebook's, uh, you know. Yes, of course it is, yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, sort of, Adam's still laughing about it. Every time I ring him, he's chuckling. He thinks it's hilarious. Um, that you've been banned by banned Kickstarter. Banned by Kickstarter, yeah. But I never knew that about you and Facebook, man. That's a shame. Do you, have you got well, a clue what curious. it was? Or? No, no, no idea what it was that breached community standards. But I'm, I'm just fascinated as you mentioned at the start, Larry Flint, look up uh, <laughs> yeah. Larry Flint and you will find that uh, the world famous um, pornographer maker of, of porn <laughs> and terrible movies yeah. that he and Tony Esmond have never been seen in the same <laughs> yeah, room at exactly, the same time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now on the Mega City uh, book club, you've also, I've just listened to a few this week and the, the Strontium Dog one was very good, man. I've ordered that. That's a really good, good. one. And the Misty Special as well. Did, um, the guy, the guy's like super Misty fan, isn't it? You had on, isn't he? He's super, yeah. He's a super horror fan. He's the Pete. Uh, sorry, Jim Moon is the nice human version of Pete from Eltonville because he knows <laughs> everything about horror and weird fiction. And I've just had him on talking about this year's Misty and Scream special. Yeah. Uh, I was going to put that one out as a sort of like uh, a little bonus extra episode, but I decided to put it in the sort of 
main two weekly rotor because I'm a little bit busy at work at the moment and keeping the yeah. keeping a two weekly schedule is tricky. But yes, so that's out. There was an episode recently about Rock the God from John Wagner, yep. uh, Alan Grant, Dan Cornwall. But you said that was good fun. Elf on it. Yep. And you talked about. Uh, Kickstarter. Uh, so yeah, look out for episodes of Mega City Book Club coming up. Good stuff, man. And where can we find you online? And where can we find all that? So just search for Mega City Book Club in Facebook, Twitter, uh, or your podcast app, or on Spotify, or go to megacitybookclub.com and you'll find all the links there. Uh, uh, and I've got one more question for you, Tony. Okay. If we've got time. Yeah, of course. So boats and cruises. Everybody likes a cruise. Yeah. So not that anybody can do it at the moment. Yeah. So Tony, what's the deal with you and Jane McDonald? Well, we're I'm I'm not calling it stalking her. I don't I think drawing round part of your body and sending it to a daily, I don't think stalking, I think that's just art to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> um the uh so I now I now feel I'm in the Vince Hunt role and go, <laughs> Oh please <laughs> tell me you're not really doing that, Tony. <laughs> no. But the we Adam and Adam comes up, well, I've got an office on my office is near Adam's house, so once a week he comes up, we have a bit of lunch and uh, we we sort of chuckle our way through. And I always say to he says, What is it why do you keep why do you follow Jane McDonald on uh on Instagram? And if you look if you go through Jane McDonald's Instagram you'll see that I've liked every single photograph because I think it's just I just find a actually quite funny and genuinely quite ridiculous in the same time she's like an old school 70s tv performer who's who's kind of people like i think people want to her so i said like why don't we do a comic about her and adam obviously agreed and uh, so we wrote to her and we said um hey jane we work you know we're from tribute press we're a small press comic publisher we'd like to do a comic about you it's where you're on a cruise ship and you do kung fu and kill people a lot um which she so far hasn't replied to to be fair but we we hold out hope one day that the Jane McDonald comic will come will come to light. Yeah, yep. There you go. So, can I just say, if there was a comic in which Jane McDonald was on a cruise ship doing kung fu and solving crimes, yeah, I'd buy it. Good, thank you, man. Yeah, and I'd I'd watch that TV show as well. <laughs> yeah, it's got success written all over it. Yep. She she's back on TV. Ten o'clock. Are we? Uh, yeah, she does a travel show, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, she's doing. She sings a song at the end of each episode. It's very good. Yeah, that was a great. <laughs> yeah, she was on the one show. She was on the one show the other day, and I easily got twenty tweet twenty tweets through. Thank you, everyone, right. for letting me know. Yeah, <laughs> good stuff, man. That's brilliant. I'm glad you enjoyed that. That was good, and um, it's been one I've been desperate for someone to choose, but I thought, oh fuck it, I'm going to choose it. And you seemed like a good candidate to go through that. I'm glad you enjoyed that. Um, you can find my comics at her- atomichercules.com, where you can pre-order issue three, um, Hercules Goes Commando. And you've all got Dirty Minds because it's actually based on the format of the old Commando comics. That's the reason it's called that. Um, and I've got another. I've got might have two this week actually. We've got an exciting one coming up uh, in a couple of episodes, and then um, I think we've got Mr. Robertson back for uh, one of our favourite female creators, and she's uh, who we're going to be talking about then. So thanks, Eamon. Cool, and we'll thanks, catch up Tony. soon, man. <laughs>